0: Hello and welcome to Postgres FM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai,
1: what are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, hello Michael. As we decided, let's talk about index maintenance. First of all, blood removal, but maybe not only, right?
0: Yeah, we've alluded to this in a previous episode around vacuum, Ballot. I believe, oh, about bloat specifically. Yeah. So yeah, excited to dive into this with you. So should we start with how this occurs perhaps or quick recap on is this always a problem? If I, if I have a Postgres database, is it very likely I'm suffering from this at the
1: moment or is it, is there a chance that it's fine? Yeah, by the way, you are right. Our episode was called Vacuum, not Bloat, but we are so close to each other, right? Because yeah. usually we talk about bloat and uh, lack of vacuuming uh, or some inefficient vacuuming and so on. This is a great question you, asked, you just asked. If we tuned our auto vacuum to be quite aggressive, Everything looks fine. The question is still, should we have index maintenance from time to time? Is it inevitable? And in my opinion, from my practice, the answer is yes, due to many reasons. And auto vacuum won't solve everything and you, some bloat will still be accumulated, even if you have very aggressive vacuuming. And observing other databases, database systems, for example, SQL Server, Microsoft SQL Server. They also have index maintenance r- as a routine task for DBS, DBR, REs. And like, I, in my opinion, you, you should still, in very loaded, growing, large systems, you should recreate indexes from time to time. Aggressive auto-vacuuming will only reduce the frequency of this need that comes. Like It will come less frequent, but still you need to recreate them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point on heavily loaded systems. I think that probably the only caveat I would put is, if you've got a relatively light load on your postgres database this might be something you don't come across if if right. uh, even if you haven't tuned autovacuum it will be tidying things up as it goes along freeing up index pages especially on later versions of postgres there's some there's some additional logic to make that even less likely to bloat but yeah there's i think it's even worse than for tables though with indexes right like vacuum's able to free up space in tables much well yeah refer to a previous episode for more details but it's i think on in tables you can free up space and it's much more easily reused whereas in a B-tree index if you get page splits vacuum can free up those uh, space in those pages again but it can't unsplit but it doesn't
1: B3, right? Exactly. doesn't rebalance them. And, and uh, I, I agree with you, some systems might not need uh, automatic index recreation, but I'm, I'm sure everyone needs monitoring and analysis of bloat on a regular basis. So this is a, a must for everyone, in my opinion. And the question is how to analyze bloat, because it's not a trivial task. All the scripts we have for fast bloat analysis, lightweight analysis, they are all wrong. I mean, they can have some errors. They are not precise. For example, create a table with three columns, small int, time, timestamp, tz, don't use timestamp without tz, and small int again. Fill it with a few million rows. Create an index and use your script to estimate bloat in table and in index. Two actual, actually, it's two different scripts, right, but still. At least for table, I'm I, I'm sure you will see terrible bloat, but we know there is no bloat there yet. We just inserted rows. We we didn't delete, didn't update, so no blood. Uh, you will see something like 30% of blood estimated. So we need to keep in mind our scripts, and and the, our scripts they have errors sometimes, quite significant ones because they don't take into account alignment padding. This small experiment I just described it by purpose. Uh, has zero, 0 bytes gaps between uh, columns in, inside each page uh, column values i'm not sure by the way about index I, I, it should also have some blood. maybe no maybe no maybe i'm I, i'm wrong here it, it's, only, it's only about heap only
0: maybe multi column indexes but i don't i haven't checked
1: Right. Any, anyway, estimation scripts are great because they are light, but I always correct everyone saying bloat is this. I say estimated bloat is this because it's not. Yeah. Yeah. The real number can be obtained by using pgstattuple, tuple, PG tuple uh, extension. By the way, I, ha- I had no good luck using it. So it had problems as well in the past, so I don't use it myself. In my approach, since we work a lot with clones of production environments, I always say, let's just run vacuum full on a clone, because why not? And compare numbers before and after, and this is a reliable number of we, we, Like This is a real exact number, because vacuum fool showed, showed it to us. Yeah. So the clones are cool here as well. But you need to wait a little bit, of course. Yeah. I guess this leads
0: us to quite an interesting part of the topic, which is when should you worry about this? And I, I might even argue that 30% bloat is probably not that bad, you know.
1: No, not that bad. But if it shows 60 and 30 of those, of those 60 is an error, <laughs> you decided to bloat probably. Like it, it affects the, the, the fact that it's an estimate. It affects our decisions anyway. For sure. But just to give people peace of mind,
0: you know, when we're talking about badly bloated indexes, they could easily be triple the size of a of a
1: re-indexed. Bloat. Oh, this is great. By the way, this is an exercise I do usually. People see 90% bloat, but they say, is it bad? Well, I say 90% bloat means that your index size is 10 times bigger than it would be without bloat. 99% means 100 times bigger. 100 times bigger, it's already quite noticeable. And By the way, I wanted to mention those, I say lightweight estimate scripts, they sometimes are not light at all. And we have many cases when they fail to finish during statement timeout, like 15 or 30 seconds because too many indexes, and uh, analysis takes time as well. So you, this is not something you should put to monitoring uh, to run each minute, probably. You, you don't need it every minute. You need it uh, once per day, maybe, because it doesn't change uh, very fast. But back to the question about we have 99% bloat, meaning our index is 100 times bigger. Question is, is it bad? Or well, why, why is it? We have disk space, for example. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, it's bad, but why? It's, yeah. It's bad. How, how is it bad?
0: Yeah, this is a fun kind of very specific thing that we came across working with query plans and it's it's funny because cuz this feels like a, a we, we discussed it last week but macro analysis problem, you know, at system level what's going wrong, but you can spot it sometimes from a single query plan. So if you if you notice maybe your queries are slower, they or they're degrading over time, the same query is maybe doing an index scan, but that is getting slower over time and you look at buffers uh, again a previous episode you can sometimes see that those buffer numbers are way higher than they need to be for the amount of data involved or gradually increasing each time you run it so it's not guaranteed that that's a sign of bloat but there's a really good chance that it is
1: this is great by the way you 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 apply this classification of macro and micro and i even didn't think about it but it's exactly like aligns with my thoughts. So we have macro effects and micro effects, starting from micro effects. Sometimes some particular queries and with particular parameters might behave much worse for bloated. In the case of bloated index, because for example, instead of dealing with a few buffers, we need to deal with entries which are sparsely stored and we need to involve much more buffers so we have we can see degradation sometimes so, uh, several orders of magnitude it's like in extreme cases but it's tricky to find uh if, for example you checked your query for a few parameter sets you see it's not bad compared to bloated versus unbloated right but you don't look at other parameters but for other parameters it may, may be worse so it's, it's a tricky how to automatically check how bad it is because actually, B3 height grows quite slowly. It's logarithmic basis yeah. very high. Like, so it grows very slowly. And if we go from, I don't know, like 1,000 uh, buffers to ten to 100,000 buffers for overall index size or million buffers already, we don't see a huge increase in lookup time because of growth of height. Because we just, a few, okay, a couple of more, hops to reach the leaf who cares a couple of more ios it doesn't matter so b3 is excellent here like it grows very slowly so searching in let's find one row among a million rows or let's find one row among a billion rows well difference is not huge right it's not it won't be noticeable like it won't be uh, 1000 times difference it will be small difference a few more yeah. io uh, hops but if you need to deal with many many entries and uh, bloat means that uh, distribution of them they, they are stored like sparsely in the case of bloated index of course the difference will be amazing i guess that's
0: covering micro a little bit but on the macro side we've got things like
1: cache macro in yeah. my opinion is much more interesting yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Like if we have a 99% bloat, it means we have so many more pages to store the same data in our index. And it means that not only disk space occupied, uh, I worried about it less. Like disk space is interesting. I, I will explain my thoughts in, in a second. But the most noticeable performance a negative effect from a high bloat of indexes, in my opinion, is uh, we need to keep more pages in cache. Both in the buffer pool and page cache, so it means that our cache effectiveness reduces. I have cases sometimes where some dat- database or few databases they grow so quickly, and company may using these databases may already be a multi-billion company, yeah, unicorn, but never nobody never was fighting with uh, bloat. So, for example, up to half of databases bloat, both table and index. And it means that our shared buffers work much
0: worse. This is a great point, actually. Again, a caveat is this this applies, of course, when your database exceeds the size, or database including indexes, including bloated indexes, exceeds the size of shared buffers. Before then probably not going to cause you any issues. But most of us are probably running databases where we exceed (laughs) your
1: Or if it exceeds the cache size, buffer pool size, but if you eliminate bloat, it it fits again, right? (laughs) Yeah. But that (laughs) would be,
0: that would, imagine the difference you would see then. Like, it would be stark, the
1: difference. Yeah, this macro effect is quite noticeable. Also, uh, we can talk about budgets here, right? like spending on hardware. Or in the case of Aurora, where, where they charge for I.O., yeah. if we need to do much more I.O., we can save here, right? Also, this macro effect is very interesting. I think it maybe it's the most important one, in my opinion, in terms of performance. But third one... And this third one, the disk space occupied, is, is usually the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about we think about bloat. Bloat it means that we occupy much more space, so disk, uh, we pay for disk. But not only we pay for disk, if we also recall our previous episodes, we need to write more to wall, right? Yeah. Full page writes, for example. Index writes also go there to wall. And um, more wall is generated. And data files also bigger wall is bigger it gives uh, more uh, work for backup system uh, backup yeah. is longer uh, but also replication physical at least the, it also uh, slow more bytes need to be transferred to standby nodes negative effects everywhere right On all yeah, systems. it's a really good point yeah che- check also actually check pointer also needs to take care about more dirty pages
0: yeah so the ideal world is not to grow your indexes 10x and then re-index them to shrink them back down in an ideal world we will stay on top of it so it stays in a much more manageable range firstly i guess through autovacuum but also as we've discussed autovacuum can't uh, shrink it down once it's started to bloat so we do need to do these occasional re-index ideally re-index concurrently i'm guessing or as you were going to say i guess pg repack
1: Right, so we have a tool called Postgres Checkup, which explains a lot of details about bloat, rec- provides some recommendations and so on. I mean, we, Postgres AI, we have this tool. And it tries to explain what to do. But in general, the plan we recommend, especially for cases which are like, for example, database company was super successful, database grown, but there's no proper processes in place. We usually recommend, of course, we consider auto vacuum settings, hundred percent but not always this will help to like we just we just discussed it index health may may degrade also if you have long transactions also if you have large tables let's touch it once again in in a minute autovacuum won't help you a lot but it's still needed to make it more aggressive to eliminate dead tuples faster then run uh, index maintenance once and then prepare to run it uh, maybe in fully automated fashion during weekends because uh, index maintenance means index recreation. It's definitely stress for disk and for wall as well, for replications also. It's definitely some stress. So prepare to uh, run auto- automatically every, for example, every, every weekend. For example, in GitLab, we did it. GitLab is a cl- uh, disclaimer, cl- our client. And they have a lot of interesting information, automation and articles, how they automate it. And they run fully automated index recreation every weekend. I should read those, I haven't. Right, A uh, question is how to recreate indexes. It's a question, depending on your Postgres version. From Postgres 12, it's possible to run a uh, uh, index concurrently, good. Earlier, well, the idea is, okay, you can create index, drop old one, rename. But if this index is participating in some constraints, like primary key, it will be quite a task. But there is also pgrepack. Uh, pgrepack can repack indexes, basically. Recreate them, not touching tables. Because removal bloat from table is a bigger task than just recreation of indexes. So pgrepack can work with any Postgres major version. I mean, not the, the old world one, but, but for example, 9.6 yeah it has some interesting caveats uh, though for example if you have deferred constraints do i pronounce it right deferred constraints yeah. right so Perfect. if you have deferred constraints you might have issues with running PGD pack, but for for table actually not for index for index it's fine for table it, it can have issues okay M- Miro had problems but and they ha- they wrote an excellent article we can provide a link if you need to fight with bloat in table and you have deferred constraints it's a very good read, but for indexes uh, there won't be any problem, right? So, but but modern modern approach is just index concurrently. Unfortunately, re index concurrently this feature had so many bugs fixed. All of them are fixed, right? But history shows that many people, including my, me, already think there might be more found in this problem. So, I I would recommend if you run index concurrently, it's worth also having some process of. Index verification, for example, using arm check, you can check for corruption periodically, weekly, for example. Also, after index recreation, maybe it's a good idea to double check if there is corruption or no. Because this recent bug, which was discovered in May in Postgres 14, we briefly discussed it. So the interesting thing is that if you have huge tables, like terabyte size, multi-terabyte size, and they are not partitioned, we create index or we recreate index during all this time. It can take hours. Autovacuum cannot delete that tuples in any table, any index. It's a database wide problem. And in Postgres 14, uh, there was attempt to improve and fix it. Xmin Horizon was not being held during index creation or recreation. But unfortunately, a bug was discovered in May, and in June, Postgres 14.4 had this functionality fix optimization reverted. So the rule of thumb, don't allow your tables to grow more than 100 gigabytes, because index maintenance will require more index maintenance. Yeah, (laughs) and actually, just while we're on that topic, so I think
0: if you're on a a minor version of fourteen, lower than fourteen point four. It's it's high, you, and you use reindex concurrently. A, a sub, upgrade yes. with the exception, I think, of RDS and Aurora who backpatched it to fourteen point three. I didn't know about it. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and not um, only reindex yeah. concurrently, create index concurrently also yes. was a problem. And everyone uses it because how you can create index on running system? Create okay, index concurrently. So if you're running fourteen zero till 14.3, you have urgent task. I think it, yeah. everyone knows it, but just worth repeating anyway. I met somebody the
0: other day who didn't, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it's worth repeating. But yeah, awesome. You'd have mentioned a couple of things that we probably should touch on. So index corruption is another version of min- maintenance that you might need to do. And that, I, I know of one time that's really famous for causing corrupt indexes, which is operating system upgrades.
1: Um, well, any operating system is dangerous. Operating yeah. system upgrade is dangerous. Because a glipp version of mm-hmm. upgrade it may cause index corruption silently. And it's a problem. So it's a big problem, unfortunately. And, and, and there's no like easy solution. And it, it's quite easy to get into trouble if you don't think about it yourself unfortunately yeah. so, well, just wanted to say it
0: because just so in any case anybody else wasn't aware of that one I certainly wasn't a year or two ago So, uh, yeah you need to recreate yeah, indexes
1: aware. and you need to do it inside maintenance window yeah also unfortunately uh, like, gene indexes can be bloated as well and there is no good way to estimate it and corrupt, they can be corrupted as well also there is no good way official way to estimate it there are patches for RAM check that still are not applied and but uh, they are already quite advanced, and I used those patches uh, to verify gene and indexes in a couple of places, and it worked. So I mean, <laughs> it didn't find anything. So there is also co- always question. We had false positives they, there, it was fixed. But yeah. So I think their promise is no false negatives, right? I'm checking. Right. Right so if you if you talk about bigger picture imagine if you have this like case successful company very big database but they have a lot of bloat uh, both in table and indexes of course removing table bloat is also interesting but indexes we discussed various problems uh, including this micro uh, level when particular queries are slow removing that bloat by the way, sometimes if you have queue like pattern of working with table, you insert, probably update a few times and delete because task was processed. This is good way to get high bloat, And I saw many times that high bloat at some point it's like fine, but at some point a query is degraded very fast because of this micro-level problem. I mean, we have a memory, we have big shared buffers, table is quite small, like maybe a few gigabytes only. But we see some queries degrade because of these micro-level issues we discussed. So the question is, where to start? If you have many, many, many hundreds or thousands of indexes, where would you start for this initial run? Would Would you start from small indexes first, but those which have higher, like, you, you put threshold like 90% and, and take care of smaller indexes or larger indexes and you go down or you start with indexes which have more blowed bytes first. Where would you start? It's a good question. I saw
0: your tweet as well about asking people about unused and redundant indexes as well. And I, th- I know that maybe I'm cheating by having seen that, but that right. felt like a really nice, like especially redundant I'm not so sure about unused because I wonder if a bloated. Anyway, I'm not. I'm uh, depends on statistics, I guess, a little bit. But redundant being by a redundant index, I guess. The easiest example of that is you've got the exact same index. So maybe let's take a simple case of a single column btree index but we've got two of them
1: well redundant can be for example you have a single column index you have two column indexes of course single column index is redundant to two column indexes if if, yeah. if two column indexes has the same column on the first place not in the second place this is a the masses Classic redundant. But the problem will be, what if we try to eliminate the first index because it's redundant, but the second index is also unused, and according to different report, we also decide to drop it. If <laughs> you drop both indexes, it's not a good idea already.
0: Or well, it's so bloated that a Postgres actually avoids
1: using it and goes to the... Uh, uh, this, is, this is an interesting question. So we discussed these problems, micro and macro. Depending on which you consider is the biggest problem for you for your case, I see two options. If you think about particular queries that have very degraded performance because of bloat, you probably should say, let's re-index all indexes with bloat level more than 90% first, even if they are smaller ones and don't contribute a lot to this macro level problem like spamming our buffer pool. But if you think macro level problem is bigger, you probably should start with the biggest like the the indexes which have more bloated bytes estimated right order, by and go to, from top to down, even though some of them are unused, I might can I make a
0: potentially wrong argument for sure. always starting with the smaller ones, I'll be interested in your thoughts. If you if you've got a macro level problem if your database is on fire and you're trying to reduce load this smaller indexes whilst they m- they might be being used like just because they're smaller, doesn't mean they aren't being used more so i wonder if you could also look at access and if you started with the smaller That's, ones mm-hmm. the yeah the other the other angle would be if i re-index a smaller index it finishes faster, and my system reduces its load slightly sooner than if I if I reindex a large one and it takes hours. I've got hours more at the same level of high, well, disaster, I guess. But if I start reindexing smaller ones and they finish faster, maybe I can reduce the load a little bit in the, uh, quicker.
1: Well, uh, in, in my opinion, if, if we a database on, on fire as a whole, I will start from top to bottom fighting with indexes. I I, I, th- I tried to think about it. Should we look at usage stats for indexes? I didn't see any big reason for that. Like any way we want to, f- like we, we didn't discuss the threshold, but usually practical threshold is 30, 40 percent somewhere there. If we have bigger bloat. Of uh, Yeah. This is for bloat, yes. It's, it's, if it's bloat below 30%, 20%, for example, it's, we don't care, usually. Indexes, by the way, are bloated by default 10% by, on, on purpose because they have fill factor 90. Most, query, most bloat estimation queries factor well, in fill yeah, factor. They, Yes, they take this into account. But anyway, I mean, 90% fill factor means we bloat on purpose because we want some True. room for updates inside pages. If it's ninety, if it's if it becomes actually eighty, okay, it's not that bad. I mean, I mean twenty percent blood, but if blood yeah. already have like half of it, it's maybe already time to take care of it. And so I would go from top to bottom if we take care about whole database. But in some cases, database is fine. But some particular queries, for example, with Q Q like. Pattern we use, and we see this particular queries dealing with this table. They have very bad performance. In this case, I would start from the most bloated indexes, regardless of their size. Maybe I would go from top to bottom as well. But I would I would skip indexes which have bloat estimation 60, 70 for first round to help as soon as possible those queries which we know they. Maybe I would take particular tables actually in this yeah. case because right. Why, well, why not?
0: But I would actually say I th- I think I understand now why that actually makes sense as a strategy because bloat is not independent of usage. Chances are if it's a heavily bloated well, table, how uh, like, oh, going?
1: Good, good. But imagine some indexes. Oh, by the way, if indexes are unused, uh, the uh, the we should apply extreme solution for bloat. We just drop indexes. If right. you know it's unused everywhere on standbys yes. everywhere, and we observe quite long. I usually recommend a statistics age uh, to be more than one month, because we had cases which indexes unused uh, several weeks we drop it. But in the beginning of... Well, it's not... It's, it's Ilya had it. Ilya mentioned uh, Ilya Kosmetimiansky data, Igrid, uh, He mentioned the case when they had it. And when first of next month uh, analysts are waiting for some report and they don't see report because index was dropped. So yeah. Some indexes are used only once per month and they are very important. So usage numbers, if they are not zero, I don't know how to use them. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I try to like how to join it, and usage, more writes, more reads. But imagine the case. You, you, you have an unused index. You don't use it for index scans. But question, does it contribute to this macro problem, spamming spamming our caches? Probably not. It's probably yes. been long since evicted. Yes. Oh, you think it yes. does? Any update, How? unless unless it's hot, heap uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It will need to update this index. To update the index, we need to load this page to memory, and so and right, and write overhead as well. But interesting, we don't use overhead. index, but still it occupies some space in our caches. So yeah, interesting. <laughs> Maybe it also has some effects on, at micro level. Well. I don't know. Maybe no. So there are many, many, many interesting things here but i i hope this discussion will help someone to understand it better and anyway just fight with blotting indexes and prepare not only to do it once manually but automate it we're using pgd pack or index concurrently carefully with some understanding that the index concurrently might lead to well, well right now a lot of bugs fixed people use index concurrently many people use it many projects large projects so it works. So I, I don't want to, to be blamed for like Nikolai told us not to use Rindex concurrently. Use it, but just keep in mind that many bugs were fixed and maybe there are some bugs in the future. I would just automate it, but also automate analysis of corruption using Amche- Amcheck, at least work weekly. Is Amcheck available in managed for- services? or Yeah, it's, it's, it's in standard contrib. It's, it's a contrib module. It's available everywhere. Not all contrib modules are available everywhere, so I'm glad I asked. But the, yes, awesome.
0: So you mentioned GIN indexes briefly. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm, I don't think, I don't know enough about maintenance of them, but I think I read a really good blog post by... Inside
1: GINs, there are b <laughs> Like for p- posting list and for keys, as I understand, like two types. Of, maybe I'm wrong. I, I like, it's it's... Uh, already past few years since i touched the uh, gen internals so maybe i'm wrong here but definitely there are b3 i i know yes. that uh, from developers uh, first some b3 didn't exist and the performance was not, not, not was not good for for larger scale but uh, between side genes there is, and that's why they can be also corrupted when you would switch to new Grip-C version and the rules of character ordering, collation also changes. So so GIN can be uh, gist of course can be also corrupted because gist is tree as well. Yeah. So but uh, yeah, checksum doesn't exist. How to eliminate? How to estimate bloat? Also we don't know. My my rule use clones use vacuum full from time to time yeah. and see actual bloat like that reliable number like straight, a brute force approach
0: yeah i like it it's the first good use case for vacuum full on a on an active system i've seen
1: of course it will take many hours if you have many terabytes in size but maybe you should have partitioning as a reminder right like don't allow your tables to grow over 100 gigs and then if you have partitioning, you can run AMP in parallel. By the way, it's a not, not a trivial task. We have some scripts, uh, automation scripts uh, developed for GitLab, I guess. And, and also run, we can run AMP in parallel. We can run vacuum full in parallel on very temporarily clone, which has a lot of power. And this automation is good to have. Nice. Is that in what, recent versions or has that been around for a while? Pac- vacuum four in parallel. No, no, again? no, no. Vacuum four in parallel doesn't exist, and I'm in parallel oh. doesn't exist. You need to script it. Oh, okay, I understand now. Because of the partitions. But, but like it's it's. By the way, it's interesting. People run check in in single thread, and I also did it until some someone from GitLab. Think, think, thanks for that, this question. Asked why we run it. Like we have so many cores. Why? It was an excellent question. Of course, it should be in parallel because it it will produce results much faster. And if you use if you are in the cloud and you use temporary clone, for example, of course you want to make your job faster, even if it occupies all CPUs, 100% of them, because you you pay for minutes or seconds of usage in AWS, not for not for 100% or 50%. It doesn't matter, but for yeah. time, and you want to make your job faster. You, you run, run full speed. Yeah. Same in maintenance windows, I guess. You're against the clock. Maintenance windows, yes. But not the same for regular index maintenance on production because yeah. there you probably want a single thread or a few threads of running an index concurrently, maybe just single because it's still it's still already some stress and you don't want to make it full speed. By the way, again, re- re- encourage our listeners to read the uh, articles on GitLab blog. They have good materials, I recommend. I, I remember also Peter Gagan came and learned something interesting from their experience and then working on B3 dedu- deduplication in Postgres 13 and 14. So it's a recommended material for it. Awesome. I suspect that's all we've got time for today. Thank you, everybody. Thanks
0: to everyone who keeps giving us feedback, keeps sending us suggestions and shares it online. We really appreciate
1: it. Looking forward to seeing you next week. Cheers, Nicola. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. See you next week. Bye. Take care. Bye.